This week on Writers Inc. I was trying to make a living as a writer. So that was going to be a book a year for three years, and they were going to pay me $25,000. J.K. Rowling was nearly homeless when she wrote the first Harry Potter book. Stephen King penned Carrie in a small desk wedged between a washer and dryer. James Patterson worked in advertising and famously crafted the Toys R Us theme song long before becoming an author. Join New York Times bestseller J.D. Barker and indie powerhouses Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon as they pull back the curtain on some of the world's most prolific authors. Where do they start? What is their process? The biggest names in publishing all have origin stories, all have tips and secrets. What does it take to consistently top the bestseller lists and become a household name? Get your notepad out, school's in session. This is Writer's Inc. You guys hear that Elon Musk is going to buy Chick-fil-A? <laughs> I think he's going to open it on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, he was hungry for a sandwich and waffle fries on Sunday, and they weren't open, so he's going to buy it. I actually saw that tweet that was from him, but I don't know if it was fake, like Photoshopped, or if he actually tweeted that to troll people. Oh, but... really? You mean that was a, a Musk tweet? There, there's a lot of those floating uh, around. There's, it might have been fake. I don't know if it was real or not. But there's another yeah. one with like a back and forth with him and Jeff Bezos, and he's like, "That's it. I'm buying Amazon." <laughs> and Bezos is like, uh, "No, nah, you wouldn't do it." And he's like, "Add to cart." <laughs> <laughs> All right, I love the memes, man. Sounds like it's a yeah. new meme. <laughs> JD see him spending his money. Get an update for us on the uh, the Black Widow. Yes, not number one. <laughs> uh, it, it's doing well. It hit number eight on the New York Times list, number five on USA Today, and it's number four right now in Canada. So it's 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 doing it's doing great. It didn't get me that number one moniker, but you know, like like you pointed out in, in text when I was standing up on the ledge about to jump, you know, there's always another book. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? You got about another ten years of writing in you, so you'll get one eventually. Ten at least. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe five if I have to keep dealing with you guys. <laughs> I, I think I probably asked this last time, um, but is is the the first couple of weeks really your best shot? Like, is it possible that it could creep up in subsequent weeks? All the other ones that we've released, they've they've hit the list, and then they've you know kind of crept up like in the second week, um, with the exception of Coast to Coast. I think that one hit at number two the first week, and then it was like number four the second week. But all the other ones started, you know, like. I think number five was the last one, and then it, it hit number three the next week. Um, so there's going to probably be a little bump, you know, because a lot of people discover the books by reading those those lists. So you that's still, what I was going to ask. How that that makes if that's what happens? That makes yeah, sense. but but it's okay. usually pretty pretty short lived, um, especially in the in the Patterson world because he's got so many other books coming out. You know, like they they have no trouble cycling those off the shelves and getting the next one in there in, in its place. It's not like he's got a, a six month trail until the next one. Um, so we'll we'll see. I was wondering but, if uh, if maybe you would team up with Dolly Parton and write a book with Patterson. <laughs> you never know. That could be that could be the number one combination right there. Maybe I've got a country song in me. Who knows? <laughs> Speaking of weird collaborations, did you guys see that Stephen King is going to publish a short story on Scribd? No. Yeah, he huh. is. Um, uh, so it's it's coming out on May 25th. It's titled Finn. Um, they're releasing it as an ebook and an audiobook. Um, it's an 8,000 word short story. So, but go, going directly to script. And for those people who aren't familiar with that, it's just another, it's another service, um, you know, similar to Audible and some of these other ones, but typically for the, the larger publishers. Um, you know, so if you've got a traditionally published book, uh, it's, it's most likely in there. Not a whole lot of indies happening. Uh, but it's, it's interesting to see him doing something, you know, straight to that rather than, um, you know, going the, the normal route. Um, so we'll see how that, how that goes. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, yeah it's also, a subscription service. Yeah. Um, I also saw, and this is non-related to, to writing stuff, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Have you guys heard about Amazon One? No. So so I was at the airport. I was signing up for um, for Clear, which is that, that thing where they use your biometrics to, to kind of rush you through the line. Um, and, and while I was doing that, I got an email from a friend of mine from ITW, and he, he sent me a link to this. So it's basically an Amazon version of, of that, but it uses the palm of your hand. Um, so it's basically touchless, um, sort of like scanning a fingerprint, but just you, you, you're, you hover your hand about a, a foot or so above the, the reader. Um, and it can be used for anything from, from airport security, like clear or checkout at a, you know, at a store or, or whatever. Um, apparently our, our palms are as unique as a fingerprint, but they're, they're rolling this out, which I thought was, was kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a good idea for sure. Um, I think the trickiest part, even for Amazon is, you know, how do you break into the market with, with new tech like this when everybody's already got, you know, some type of existing tech in place. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I, I was, it was, it was interesting. They're gonna. You're all of a sudden. You're gonna get a bunch of suggestions from Amazon about buying gloves. <laughs> They're like the exact right size. Well, you know, I don't know if you have, have you ever shopped in one of the Amazon stores where you don't have to check out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's you know that that was cool too. So they're 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 obviously trying a lot of different things, and you know I, a lot of people bust on on Bezos and and those guys you know just because they're they're so large. But at the same time, like you know this kind of tech wouldn't happen if if we didn't have a company like that out there that was you know had had the extra cash in the coffers. So I, I'm all for it. I love to see new stuff like this. Cool. What are you What's working on with Zach? you guys? Yeah. Yeah, I've been um, I've, I've started planning my next Dead South book. I think I'm going to wrap it. I, I think it's going to be eight books. Originally, it was going to be nine. I think it's going to be eight. So I'm planning seven. Um, and honestly, that's really been it. I have really had a whole lot of other stuff going on. So um, I've been taking care of some I've spent a lot of time doing some personal it's personal stuff like between books and all that. But uh, yeah, mostly just been been doing that. So I did. Oh, I guess I should say. Um, I did have a new audiobook come out. Um, I had uh, the well, I guess Jay and I technically did. I shouldn't say I, but uh, the our final awakening uh, series, uh, Tantor, put that in one audiobook for the entire trilogy. Uh, so so that's that's available now where you can get all three books in that series as one audiobook. So yeah, so that's a thing going on. Cool. What about you, Jay? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm just doing some a uh, lot of admin behind the scenes stuff, uh, things with communities, a couple of events, and I'm um, getting ready to go to a conference. Uh, I haven't been to a conference as an attendee probably since Thriller Fest in 2019, so uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, and then I'm looking forward to getting getting back to Thriller Fest this year as well. I've got uh, got those travel plans set, and uh, um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. So yeah, n- not a lot of writing. I didn't get a lot of writing done this week, but uh, certainly moved a couple projects ahead. So all good. Well, nice. Um, before we get into the interview, we'll just take care of a little bit of business. Uh, if you are considering going to the Author Life Summit, you only have about a week remaining to get the installment plan. So if you want to spread out your ticket price over uh, five months, you can still do that. There'll be a link in the show notes, but only for the next week. Uh, so make sure you check that out. And we also want to thank our wonderful sponsors over there at Kobo Writing Life. Tara and the team do a great job of handling all the customer service inquiries and problems that authors have. And as you know, there's no exclusivity involved. So it's a book-by-book decision. You can go to Kobo Writing Life and get into uh, many countries world, worldwide and get their exclusive promotions. And you can do all that from KoboWritingLife.com. And that takes us to the guest this week. And who would that be, J.D.? 
Uh, this week we've got Jenny Nash. She's the founding member of Author Accelerator. Um, so this is a very cool company. I, I first heard about it, I think, on uh, Self-Publishing Formula. Um, they had her on there as an, an interview, and then James Blatch actually hired her to, to help with his first book. Uh, I'm all for any type of book coach, you know, <laughs> not not because I did this sort of thing in the past, but, you know, if somebody needs help, at least they, they've got some place to go to, you know, they can actually rely on, you know, an, an expert. Um, and, and that's what they're up there or they're up to over at Author Accelerator. Um, she's got a new book out called Blueprint for a Nonfiction Book. It releases May 31st. Uh, so here she is, Jenny Nash. Jenny, I feel like almost nothing has changed since the last time we talked. It's been a quiet few years, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it has. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. Um, we won't even go down that path. Uh, I, I want First thing I want to hear is I want to hear about the new book that's coming out this month. Oh, sure. I, I, would, I would love to talk about nothing but that. Um, <laughs> So the, um, it's the second book in my blueprint series and the blueprint is a framework that we use at author accelerator to train our book coaches and to, to help writers get the fundamentals of their book, right? So it's not a story structure and it is, it's not an architecture plan. It's a, a holistic plan for looking at the everything about the book, everything from why are you writing it to who are you writing it for? What do you want them to get out of it? And the first blueprint book was for fiction. So that was about writing a novel. And the new book is for nonfiction. So it's called Blueprint for a Nonfiction Book. And I made a big decision with this, with this blueprint, which I really agonized about. But my decision was for nonfiction, the the way you conceive of a book the way you think about it and the way you generally pitch it is on proposal most nonfiction books are sold on proposal so the the blueprint there's 14 steps in in the blueprint for fiction there's 14 steps in the blueprint for nonfiction those are the same they build the fundamentals they ask you those basic questions it's it's building a business case for the book it's building the content and the structure for the book all of those things but the big decision I made was to take it all the way through after the blueprint to writing a proposal and pitching and pitching it to agents. So it's a, a meteor book and it, it has a lot more content, a lot more steps, but I felt that I would leave the reader flat if I, if I didn't take them all the way through. So it's, it's a book that helps you build the fundamentals for a nonfiction book and then build the proposal. And the good news about that is it makes proposal writing a breeze if you do the blueprint first. I can't wait for this book to come out. I, I have several nonfiction ideas I wanna I wanna go trad pub with and, and so I, I can't wait. Uh, but I wanna I wanna back up for one quick second. Why did you agonize over this uh, over the decision to add to take it all the way to the end? Oh, I like that you picked up on that word. I <laughs> agony. Agony is the thing that I often that I often feel. I agonized because I love the idea of a simple, easy to swallow little book. It it I love that idea. And the first blueprint is that. And I I modeled these books after a book that I that I really like a lot, which is Rachel Aaron's 
2000 to 10,000. It's a, a tiny little book that she self-published and it's literally about how do you write more words in a single writing session? And she evaluated her own practices, everything from do I write more words when I'm in a bookshop, I mean, a coffee shop, you know, to um, do I write more words when I plan out the night before what I'm going to write? So she really took this scientific approach to her own writing and she offers this just really useful service-based book that that anybody who wants to write better, faster, stronger can learn something from. And, and that was my model for the blueprint is I wanted a book that that was kind of a, a quick gulp that you could just take it and you could really go deep and learn something and and not not feel like it was a chore <laughs> to read to read the book um there i mean i own all the writing books i love all the writing books i'm a you know i'm a super fan of writing books and i learned something from all of them but the ones where you you know, it takes you months and you're like, oh yeah, I haven't finished that. And I, I, I just didn't want that. So my agony on the nonfiction was I'm really taking writers through three different processes. There's the blueprint is the planning stage. It's wrapping your mind around what you're doing. It's, it's the fundamental things that frankly, most writers skip over and it sets you up to write. It sets you up to it goes all the way, all the way through uh, developing a table of contents and what I call an outcome outline where you're really baking in the narrative drive of your idea. And, and that's one process. And when you're finished with that process, you have achieved something great and you're now, you're now setting yourself up for the next process, which is the proposal. And the, the writing of the proposal is tricky because it's it's market focused it's it's positioning your book it's strategy it's how are you going to convince somebody to invest in this project so it's a whole other thing so now i'm adding this whole other process on top of the the blueprint and then i took it all the way into the, the real agony was do i talk about pitching at all because as a book coach i know that pitching is among the most complicated processes that, that a writer is going to go through. It's, it's not hard, it's not mysterious, but there's all kinds of twists and turns that can happen. There's all kinds of insider things that you need to know. It's a very fluid process. When I work with a client, we're evaluating every rejection. We're evaluating what does it mean that we're getting this kind of feedback, you know, we're really trying to be strategic. I could, I could write a whole book on agent pitching and I when, might, when's that coming out, <laughs> right? You know, you know, and I might. And so that was my agony was, do I not put this in? Do I not put anything in about, you know, I'm just gonna, is it going to be too simplified and dumbed down? And so that was the agony was, do I do all three of these processes in the same book? And, and do I do a little bit of agent pitching, even though I know there's just, it's just the tip of the iceberg, but I decided that people who write nonfiction books generally are very entrepreneurial. They're usually experts in their field. They're usually quite experienced and advanced in their fields. 
they know how to get stuff done. They know how to, you know, research. They know if you give some guidance, they're going to take it and run with it. So I thought, you know, people could take this book and, and actually do the thing I'm, I'm showing them to do and make good progress and have success. And, and I feel good about that, even though there could be whole book on those two other things. You earned a, uh, uh, a well-earned reputation as being um, one of the one of the best people to go to for uh, for proposals. I mean, that's kind of it's it's kind of your thing. So, how how did you get how how did you get to that point? Kind of take us through that that evolution of you. Oh gosh, that's that's a great question. Well, when I was teaching at the UCLA writing program back back in the day. Um, UCLA's program is one of the, the largest adult education writing programs in the country, largely because they have a whole TV screenwriting component. So they draw a lot of writers into their program. And it's a fabulous program with an amazing reputation. And I taught in that program for 12 years, largely on the, the memoir side. And I had at that time published three memoirs with big five publishers. And I knew what it took to get a memoir published. There's a really different mindset than most writers bring to memoir. Most writers are drawn to memoir because they have something that happened to them that they want to share. They have some story and making the leap from that to I have a book other people want to read and other people want to invest in and other people want to buy is a big leap. So I, was teaching from the, the moment I began to teach, I was teaching a very market focused way of thinking about writing. And by market focused, I do not mean write to the market. I don't mean, oh, look what's hot right now in memoir. I'm going to write that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. What I mean is book, book publishing is a massively big business in which people are making a lot of money. <laughs> And writers tend to approach it with this, this sort of, you know, oh, pick, please pick me attitude or, or this kind of roll the dice and I'm going to win the lottery attitude. And they don't approach it the way any business person would approach any business proposition, which is who is my audience? What do they need? What is my competition? What else is happening out there? So I was bringing a lot of tough love to my teaching. And, and I did begin to develop a reputation for that, that market focus. And as a result of that reputation, I was approached by one of my colleagues to help her write a book from zero. She had nothing and she was not a writer. She was actually a story analyst. She had worked at one of the studios and she had worked at a literary agent. She was a brilliant story analyst. And and I, I developed processes and systems to help her go from zero all the way through to pitching. And that writer was Lisa Cron, and she got a two book deal at Random House, um, the imprint 10 speed and her books wired for story and story genius have gone on to just be beloved books in the industry. So I, I got lucky and, and I got strategic from the very beginning and that that's where everything began to, to build is, you know, it's fascinating. I'm, 
just in the last week, this week is the last week of a 10 week nonfiction book incubator that I've been running at Author Accelerator. And the fascinating thing to me is people come in with these big ideas. They're big ideas. They're great ideas. And like I said, they're incredible experts in their field. And they think that they've got it wired. They, they think, you know, I've given this keynote speech a million times, or I teach this system in my consulting practice, or, um, you know, I've been doing this in my business for years. And there's something about a book that is, that is unique. And it is what I've figured out that they all have to do. That's the point. They, ha they have to go from that idea to what a book is. And that's how you, that's how you write a good proposal. And, and what I'm referencing is that like, if you go to a keynote speech, what is that? It's maybe 45 minutes, 60 minutes, you're in a room, you're, that person on stage needs to hold your attention in the moment. It's a performance. They, they are conveying information to you. They want you to go away inspired and knowing more and, and those things, but it's, it's sound bitey. It's, you know, um, it, it's got that performative aspect of it. It's very, very different from the experience as a reader. If you buy a book, you're going to, you're going to spend 10, 15, 20 hours with that person, you know, immersed in their ideas and philosophy. You're, you're going to be setting aside time to, to go deep and, and broad with that idea. And so a book offers an opportunity for bigger and more and, and the promise of transformation for the reader is, is huge. And it's why we love books. And, and so the work that I do is helping people go from that snappy idea or that, what you know the sim simplistic form of that idea to the power of a, that what a book can deliver does that make sense yeah it totally does it, it absolutely does there's there's so much there i want i want to unpack but there's there's one thing i wanted to to come back to and i know i can ask i, I know you well enough to know i can ask this and and, and you'll answer this question you you mentioned uh, you were a, a little bit lucky, and I will acknowledge there is certainly luck involved in in the world in general. Like I think you're foolish if you don't think there's some element of, of luck that plays into everything. But you also made a really difficult decision earlier on in your career regarding uh, writing fiction versus book coaching. Um, can you talk about why you're not writing fiction anymore? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I. So I was a mid-list writer. I, I had written uh, the three memoirs and then I wrote three novels and those two were picked up by, I was published by Penguin. So I had, I had made it as a writer. I had done the thing that people strive and dream of doing. I, I had an amazing editor. I had a, an amazing agent. I had a publisher that was really behind me they they actually offered me a three book deal after the first three novels and but the three book deal was the same amount of money for each book that they had paid me for the first book and 
well, like I'll, I'll just tell you what it was because it was it was a while ago now. So uh, I, I'm trying to think of the actual timing, um, but it was twenty five thousand dollars a book for the three books, and I was trying to make a living as a writer. So that was going to be a book a year for three years, and they were going to pay me twenty five thousand dollars. And they're not writing you a seventy five thousand dollar check when you sign oh, the no. paper, right? Can you explain how how those uh, the royalties work? Right. I mean, I, I can't remember the details, but you usually get something like, let's just call it $5,000 to, to, to when you sign the contract. And then when you deliver the manuscript, maybe another five. And then when it's published, you know, the rest of it. And then after that, you would hopefully get royalties. So it, it was not a great offer. And, and it, the thing about it was that as a mid-list writer, it's kind of some version of hell because you're not, you know, they're not putting their muscle behind you. They're not going to be making an effort to publish, I mean, to promote those books. And so I, I just really thought, I don't think this makes good sense. And I, and I worked with my agent on it and she tried to, to get, to get them to bump up the offer. And, um, long story short, I turned it down and, um, and then I made a massively big mistake, <laughs> which, which was fully ego driven, which is, I thought, well, I'll show them, I'll write another novel and we'll shop it around to other publishers and I'll get a big fat juicy advance and get knocked up to the front of the list and make the giant leap. And you know, it was it, that whole, just so much ego. <laughs> and, and I actually did the thing that I advise and teach others to never do, which is, is I then thought, okay, what sells? And I, and I tried to reverse engineer a book that I thought would, would sell. And I wrote a good book. It's not a bad book, it, but it is exactly what it is. It's a book that I wrote with the intention of, of trying to, to make a bunch of money and, and then it just completely fell flat. Um, I mean, that's kind of a long story of what happened with the book, but um, we almost got what I wanted and then we didn't. And, you know, it just the whole thing was just kind of a giant um, implosion. Um, and it was around that time that this colleague came to me and asked for my help. So I was my writing career was kind of taking a nosedive while this oper other opportunity was presenting itself to me. And and I, after the Lisa got the two book deal, my next two clients, the next two people who came to me also got book deals, one at Scribner and one at um, Simon and Schuster. So the first four books that I coached, they were all nonfiction, got big five book deals. And those writers made more money than I made as a writer that, you know, that I was being offered as a writer. And I, it wasn't, it didn't take very much insight to think I'm actually better at this than I am at being a writer. I, I think my talents lie more in helping others than in doing it my own self. And, 
a lot of people have asked me if I'm going to go back to, to trying to write in that way. And um, particularly because in, in Story Genius, which was Lisa Cron's second book, I, I am her guinea pig in that book. In the pages of that book, I develop a novel based on her system and so a lot of people who read that book want to know where that novel is and i never wrote it <laughs> so i tell i tell them um i i built a company instead <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so admirable i mean it takes i think it takes a lot of guts uh because as you said that is a position that most of us would want to be in like here's a a, a big five publisher showing you the money and 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 you had enough foresight and and uh self-awareness to realize that 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 probably wasn't going to be the path for you but but you're not not a writer i mean right like you just because you're not writing novels doesn't mean you're not a writer so i don't necessarily 100 oh, yeah right? and and here's like the dirty little secret about my my blueprint for a nonfiction book is a book about getting traditionally published. It's a book to help people write book proposals and get agents. And I self-published it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, knowing what that path is like, it takes a long time for such a book to come out. The publishers are really looking for something very specific that I don't think I have. You know, so I, I brought that same sort of tough love strategic thinking to my own work and talked talked myself into doing something different. And so it's just kind of interesting. The the path to traditional publishing is is not for every project. It's not for every book. I may one day go back to it. I you know, there's a lot going on right now in the publishing industry. There's quite a lot of upheaval going on with, I mean, all kinds of things. Uh, it's just like our world right now is, is there's just all kinds of reevaluations of who has the power, of who has the money, of who, who, who are the gatekeepers, who gets through. Um, all of those questions are, are kind of causing a lot of turmoil in our industry. But that being said, being, being published by one of those big publishers and having their that imprimatur of, of success and having the muscle behind your book and taking that shot at, you know, really impacting a lot of people is, is still tempting. And it's, it's still um, a good path for a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about the process for writing the blueprint books? Are you, uh, do you have a certain time of day that you write a certain place, a certain method? Um, <laughs> I, I'm that's like, a no. <laughs> no, I'm just laughing because I mean, we all do this. It's just hilarious. I, in my work with, with writers working on nonfiction books, I find it almost without fail that if somebody comes to me and let's just say, I'm going to try to think of an actual example. Um, Let's just say that there's someone whose specialty is helping you get clarity on your career, helping you get clarity on um, where your talents lie and, and what job would be best suited to you and why you're feeling 
you know, depressed and bored at your job and that that's their expertise. Without fail, they need to coach themselves in the exact same thing that they coach their clients on. It's just it's just a rule of the universe that I have found. If somebody's writing a book about raising their voice and helping women be empowered, they're going to have to do that work their their own selves. That's my introduction to saying I did not follow my own advice <laughs> on the blueprint books. I did not do the blueprint. I just thought, well, I teach this all day long. I I have taught hundreds of coaches how to do this work. They've taught hundreds of writers. I've done a gazillion workshops. I can talk about this in my sleep. Surely I can write this book. So um, I did that thing that everybody does, and I and I started to write the book. And and it, you were asking me about sort of habits and how I do that and. You know, I run a really busy business. I, I have my days are really full and I I carved out time often at night, um, late at night, like 930 to 1130. Uh, and I it's one of my best focus times, actually, when no emails are coming in. I don't have any I can't go. You know, there's no obligations. There's there's no it's just quiet. Um, I know some people find that time early in the morning. Um, but for me, it was at night and I, you know, when I would write and I would pull I'd written a lot on the blueprint already. So I'd pull from other places from blogs or courses or this or that and kind of dumped it all together. And I did not like what I was writing. I, I could feel that I didn't like it. I could that that thing I said to you, I want to you before that I wanted was like a I want my books to just be really easy to use and, and easy to follow. And I guess elegant is the word um, spare and clean and, you know, all that. And it wasn't any of that It was kind of just messy. It was there were all these things where all these kind of asides and things where I would say, well, if you're doing this, you should do this other thing. And if you're doing it, it was just, I didn't love it. So um, I did do one smart thing, which is I, I hired one of my book coaches. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I, it was a, it was a great experience because I, you know, I'm the CEO of the company. We've trained more than a hundred coaches who, who is going to give me, the tough love that that I want. That's when somebody comes to a coach, they're not they're serious, right? They're not looking for, oh, this is so great, Jenny. You know, like I needed the tough love. So I've chose chose somebody that I knew would really would really bring that. And um boy did she <laughs> and and she pretty much told me the thing that I frequently tell my writers, which is you need to start all over again. And you need to do the blueprint because it's not clear who your audience is. It's not clear that transformation journey you want for them is not clear. I, I had conflated two things, which is uh, I kind of put memoir in, in here because memoir is in fact nonfiction. And that was causing that whole, if this then confusion and and I was not writing with the kind of authority that I needed to write this this book with. I was um, when I was pulling from all the blogs and this and that. You you 
lose something. Uh, one of the powers of a book is that sense of authority. We've all felt it when you you're in the hands of somebody who's like, I'm leading you down a path, take my hand and follow me and come with me. And I'm going to show you. And I didn't have that. And so she delivered that, that tough love. And I, and I went back and I did the blueprint and I really got clear on who my reader was. A vague idea is not good enough <laughs> of who your reader is. And I, um, and I sort of, I'm trying to think how to describe it because it's what every writer has to do. That process by which you gather your confidence up to speak in the way that you know you can and and should to to not equivocate to not well maybe you could do it this way or here's a good idea but to be like no this is the way you do it <laughs> this is what i know this is what works this is how it goes there's not another way it's not maybe you should do this or that it's like you need to do this and then i gathered that that courage and that confidence and i brought that voice to the pages and and then i worked with that coach to to bring the book to life and the the thing that i love about book coaching the reason i'm such an evangelist for it is if you're putting money down for somebody to read your pages and give you feedback you're going to write those pages and you're going to do a good job with them I'm not going to waste that that deadline and that money and that time and so ha engaging that book coach really um pushed me and it, it pushed me to prioritize the book and take some time during the day to do it rather than only at night. So I began to do it an hour first thing in the morning before email or anything else, just again, that before the noise of the day. Um, so I was then writing twice a day to try to meet, meet the deadlines that we had set. So it, um, that's how it came together. Wow, so many good lessons in there. Uh, Why I, do we always have to learn the lessons well, over I, I know, and over, over and over? I know. I, I'm <laughs> the same way. I, I end up, uh, I'll be sitting on working on a project and I'm like, I just told so-and-so not to do this. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Um, so I, I get, I'm right with you. Uh, I, I, I think I have a fun way we can kind of wrap up. Um, I, I hope it'll be fun for you you talked about the publishing industry and the upheaval in the world in general, and there's, there's certainly no shortage of that, but what are you Jenny Nash excited about in the near future? Like what's, what's really got you sort of excited and happy to, to get up tomorrow morning? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, I just love what I do and, and what we're trying to do at author accelerator is, I mean, it sounds a little grandiose when I say it, but, but we're trying to change the way that writers are nurtured. I think writers have in this publishing landscape have really been left out in the cold. They're, they're not nurtured anymore. They're not being picked by a publisher doesn't get you so much the career strategy and the emotional support that I think it used to, even when I, when I had that back in the, um, the nineties, I, and so we're really trying to, to have a mechanism for writers to give that to themselves, that nurturing to themselves. And I see that 
I see that change happening a little bit, a tiny bit in the industry. And it, I think it's exciting because it's empowering the writer and the, the idea that the writer can only go to a traditional publisher and get chosen or picked is there's so many more options. Now there's so many more channels that you can use to bring your writing to life. I think that's really exciting. And the putting the, the choice and the power back on the, the writer, maybe it's not even back. Maybe it never was there <laughs> putting it on the writer, I think is really exciting. And I like to see writers who are taking their work really seriously, who are really centering it and making it a priority in their lives. I don't think people, you don't tend to make an impact when you kind of do it as an afterthought or as a hobby, or I'm going to kind of sort of write this book and see what happens. I think you make an impact when you, when you make that choice that I'm going to do this. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to put time and money and resources behind it. I think that's really exciting. I, I like that change and I think it's a good change and it's going to give power to a lot of different voices and just bring a lot of, of different kinds of books into the world. So I, I'm full of optimism, even though it's a crazy, a crazy time. Oh, Jenny Nash, what a delight. What a delight to talk to. Uh, I don't even know where we begin. Um, she's so open and transparent and honest. It's so refreshing. Uh, let's start with you, Zach. What was, what was something that really caught your ear in this? Yeah, just exactly what you said, just how transparent, and open, honest she was. I mean, I, I, I think my favorite part of the interview was when you got when she talked about how she had her, you know, her fiction contract and ha had the deal and was a fiction author and then was able to be very honest with herself and figure out that she was better at this other thing and that she was better at helping writers than writing writing fiction herself writing books herself um i don't know i just think that that when especially to be that far along and to have a book deal and everything and then to come to that realization um that takes a lot i think you even said told her straight up like that takes a lot of guts to do that and that takes a lot of self-reflection and asking yourself some really big questions uh and i just applaud her for that i think that too often um, for whatever reason, whether we let our egos get in the way or we just, you know, we're taught just to keep pushing through and uh, keep hustle, hustle, hustle or whatever, you know, um, sometimes it's better just to sit back and ask those questions and you come to realization like I really am better at this other thing. And uh, and she obviously enjoys doing it. So um, and she's been able to build a very successful business for herself. And uh, yeah, I don't know that to me that stuck out really, really big on this interview. Yeah, I mean that, that. You know, I, I I talk to a lot of people that get that traditional publishing offer, um, and you know, seventy five thousand. It, it's not a lot of money, but it, it's not a small check either. You know, so it's a tough call to make. 
Um, I think that was a multi-book deal too, right? For, for 75. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's, you know, 25,000 a book. I mean, you really, you got to start breaking it down. Like, is it really worth, you know, your time and it, that even the book itself, like, is it worth handing that book over to somebody for $25,000? I, I know I would never do it. Um, it, you know, the one thing I always tell people, you know, and I beat it into their heads is, you know, don't sign on that dotted line unless it's life changing money. Um, and you're unwilling to, to do the, the self-publishing route at this point. Um, if it's life changing, if it's going to allow you to quit the day job or, or give you the free time you need in order to, to further your career, if that's what your, your aspirations are, then by all means, take it and, and go. Um, but if it's not going to do that for you, you have to sit back, look at those dollars, figure out what that really means to you, you know, what you're giving up in order to do that and just make sure it's the right decision. And I know plenty of people that just don't want to go the indie route. You know, they just, they don't want to deal with the headaches. They don't want to have to you know, do all the work. Um, you know, and, and, you know, on the flip side, like, you know, some of those same people would take a $5,000 advance just to be able to tell people that they're with one of the top five. Um, that happens all the time. Um, I advise against it, but that doesn't mean people won't do it. You know, people think that by signing with one of the top five, their book is automatically going to be in bookstores and they're going to see it over at the airport and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And, and the honest to God truth is, you know, unless you get a huge advance, you're probably not going to end up in any of those places and you're not going to see the marketing effort behind your book because they don't put any marketing dollars behind a book that they pay a $5,000 advance for. They don't put any marketing dollars behind a book that they pay a $100,000 advance for. Um, so you need to consider all those things because chances are you can probably do a little bit better on your own. Um, so yeah, kudos for her for, to, to recognize that and to take a step back and realize where her strengths are and then, you know, just to focus on it and turn it into a, a you know, a business. You know, a lot of people don't do that either. You know, they're, they're afraid. Um, it's tough to walk away from a, you know, a paid, paying job, you know, somewhere else and, and, you know, focusing on something that you're basically creating out of thin air. Um, but, you know, when, when you pull the trigger on it, if you, if you do it right and you stick with it, it, it can be lucrative. And, you know, she's, she's created a really good company out of it. Yeah, I mean, I love, I mean, it's what the whole book's about, right? This blueprint um, for your nonfiction book. And she talked about how, um, you know, she, she sort of, she's giving it all away. I mean, that's basically what it comes down to is like she said, she decided to write it all the way through the query process. So if you're, you know, if you've got a nonfiction book proposal like this, this is going to be a wonderful tool. And, and I, I think it reminded me again at how small this community is, uh, you know, the, whether, whether you're talking trad pub authors or indie authors or combine them, it's still a really small community. And I think for the most part, the people we interact with, they want other people to succeed too. Like there just really is this sort of um, communal feel. It's all it's been like that since I've been part of this. I've felt that, and and I think Jenny um, exemplifies that. You know, she could have held back, right? Like she could have she could have put out a really thin book and then upsold it to a course, and then yeah, I mean she could have monetized that seven ways from Sunday. And I love the fact that she's like, well, no, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna write this book. I'm gonna take it all the way to the end. And I think that's really commendable. Yeah, and, and you know, for a nonfiction book like that, you know, that's very possible. Like, you can take a blueprint and, and create a nonfiction book. I mean, it's so like she had mentioned, you're selling that on proposal. So you basically come up with the idea, you write a, you know, five to 10 page pitch, you know, hitting, hitting the various bullet points that the, the book is going to cover, your comps, things like that. Um, and you go out there with it, and you're not actually writing the book until you get a deal if, if, you're, if you're going that route. Um, very different from the fiction world. Um, but because it is nonfiction, like you can, I think you can teach that to, to somebody. You can you can make it work. F fiction is is a very difficult thing, and I've got a, a love hate relationship with with books that try to teach you how to write fiction. I think any any you know book on writing can teach you the framework of of writing a fiction novel. Um, it can't teach you how to tell a story. 
you know, that, that's something that's just kind of ingrained in, you know, some people. You're sitting around the campfire. This one guy can just, you know, get everybody riveted. Everybody else tries to tell a story. It just doesn't work. It's just something that, you know, storytellers are, are born with. Um, but you don't need that particular gene when you're writing nonfiction. What you do need is a book like this to tell you what format it needs to be in and help you structure it. That was JD's whole nonfiction book on writing right there. You're either born with it or you're not. Yeah. That's <laughs> there's your proposal. No, but um but uh yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But uh she a couple other things she mentioned, um really quick on one, I love how she talked about how um you know, with a lot of times with nonfiction people are I don't remember exactly how she said it, but like they're basically writing the book they need. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was really funny. Um, thought that was really cool, but also I love how she talked about the marketing aspect and, um, not, and she differentiated like writing to market as in writing what's popular and trying to reverse engineer that. And she even gave an example of hers where that failed, but, but knowing who your ideal reader is from the onset and Jay, I know you're really big, you're really big into that. And, um, not even just with, uh, with books, but also when you're starting a business or whatever, you know, like know who your ideal customer is. And I think so many authors skip that and they don't want to ask those questions. And then they end up writing a book and trying to find an audience afterwards. And then they're like, Oh wow. Like, I don't know who this reader is like, cause I did this mishmash sort of thing instead of like putting a little more forethought about uh, upfront about who, who your reader is. And it can definitely, that can help you with the marketing in the end. Yeah. Great. So any any other takeaways uh, from from Jenny's conversation? Don't don't be afraid to ask for help. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, fi fi fiction or nonfiction. Yep. You know, if the, if the story's not working, you know, you you can go to your writer's group, you can go to your critique group, you can ask your wife to read it. But you know, at, at some point, it makes sense to sit down with a professional who's been there, done that, and and you can break out your your story, tell you what's not working without any emotion. Excellent. That's a good takeaway. Well, I know that. Uh, uh, JD, you're not going to be with us for a few episodes, but um, and that's unfortunate because next week's guest is is, is pretty cool. Uh, you want to talk about who's up next? Yeah, so next week we've got Don Winslow. Um, obviously, a, a household name. A lot of people that you know, he's multiple books out there, TV shows and stuff. He's number one international best-selling author um, of the Cartel trilogy. Um, the Force is probably one of my all-time favorites. His, his latest book is called City on Fire, and I, I believe it just released. Uh, by the time this airs, it's going to be out. So that's going to be exciting. Don Winslow for sure. All right. Well, if you'd like to be notified as soon as new episodes publish, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and sign up now. We'll see you next episode, and have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers, Inc., Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.